already going over today, so let's let's start going over as soon as possible. Are we going to go over today? Eric thinks so. That is my estimate based on the length of the notes. Well, Eric doesn't know what he's talking about. You're right. The only one who knows what he's talking about is me. What are we talking about today, Julian? Well, on this 26th episode of the Hex Shrinkers podcast, where we, a longtime playgroup, journey the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours, we are going to return from a, can't really say beloved series because we've only done one episode, but I think we had a good time and it was well received. Uh, We're going to go back to our From the Vault series in which we look at a set in the past 28 now years of magic, uh, of which there have been many, but uh, we're looking at those sets and kind of giving them our own little run through almost in the style of a prime picks because obviously we've only been covering magic for about a year now. Uh, so there's plenty of sets that we did not get to give the full treatment. And since this is the internet, we must have our opinions heard. It is quintessential that um, we project our voice into the void. So this week we've chosen an oldie but a goodie. Eric, what block are we looking at? Well, we're actually taking a look at two blocks, which is Lorwyn and Shadowmore. Two blocks that have produced a lot of very unique and interesting cards. And blocks that I have raved about enjoying the flavor of before in terms of like the day-night cycle and these two separate planes that sort of exist on top of each other where everything changes when the sun goes down. Yeah, the 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 Lorwyn and the Shadowmoor, it, it, was, it was four sets total, two apiece, so it was almost kind of like the two-block system that we had mm-hmm. very briefly, like right after we started playing, where you had like Battle for Zendikar and then Oath of the Gatewatch. Uh, but this was back when it used to be the full three-set block sort of thing. So it was already a little bit of a departure, and like you said, they really kind of went full bore in terms of the lore and uh, dedicating themselves to this sort of light and dark. It reminds me of like a twilight princess. If people have played legend of Zelda, that sort of thing. Oh man. The backing lore, since we just had like, you know, a Harry Potterish set and we had a, a Norse lore set. Uh, lore one act is actually uh, themed around English and Scottish fairy tales, I guess, you know, that sort of, you know, almost Lord of the Ringsy, really. So a little bit like, a little bit like Eldraine maybe. Yeah, not so in a sense, but as opposed to the, the the tales that are passed down of you know the the giants and the knights of the round table and all that, this is like you know old school Celtic probably more than anything else, where you've got like creatures that go bump in the night, leave a saucepan out of milk to like keep them from stealing your firstborn, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I say recognize and claim the firstborn is a card in Eldering. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more like grim vibes though. Like Eldering gave me. Like, sort of the sterilized version of these fairy tales that we see today vibes in terms of, like, oh, it's a bunch of, like, clean-cut knights. They're all off doing lovely things in this beautiful setting. Whereas, like, Shadowmoor, especially, can get into, like, yeah, everything's, like, super dingy and damp and everything looks like a monster. And that that sort of captures the old vibes where people are like, yeah, you're just, like, cutting off people's thumbs and you got a monster that just, like rips off your door handles because it hates you and you're like why and it's also i think one of the only planes in the multiverse so far explored where humans aren't a dominant race which i think is a super cool thing it's it's one of the 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 only experiments into what if humans just weren't around and honestly i i think the place is better for it we've got like little humans in the kithkin but uh chev i don't actually think there are any humans nope. in lore winter Shadowmore. none um but there's a lot of other different creatures species etc and this was one of the first sets that really was like this is a tribal set we Mm -hmm. want you to align with a species or a race or whatever and you're going to do that thing so that kind of brings us to our first category which is uh, what was your favorite tribe from said set i'm happy to jump in here as chev already mentioned mine which is the kithkin so hear me out you're gonna google kithkin at the start of this podcast, because everyone is just looking up whatever we say constantly. You're going to be like, these are the strangest looking creatures of all time. I hate them, and they're ugly. And some of them are. <laughs> the same has been said about me, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Kithkin on the pod right now. <laughs> Here's the thing, is that they were used as a stand-in for halflings and hobbits, mm. because this was at a point in time where D&D really didn't want really to mix foods wanted to keep its brand separate so D was separate were they owned by wizards at this point or I were they, they separate so. companies interesting mtg was separate either way they didn't they weren't touching at that point 
unlike the Forgotten Realm set, which is upcoming and which we've already seen a halfling. <laughs> so they wanted a halfling or hobbit-like creature, and so they made these kithkin. A lot of them have like sort of surreal art where they got these big heads and these glowing, like almost like fish eyeballs. But a bunch of them are just like happy-go-lucky little dudes, or a lot of them give me like Lord of the Rings, like when Pippin's in the armor vibes where like he just looks way too small and like way too out of place sort of like suited up and ready for battle so something that we'll talk about throughout this cast is kind of the dichotomy between the the lorewin the like fun and sunshine side and the Shadowmoor, the the spooky scary side and for all the i was noticing for i think for all the kithkin that are on the Shadowmoor side they are the ones who have like those like coked out zombie looks and you know the ones on the lorewin side are like the the normal like this is the Shire kind of kind of looking dude. So if you yeah. if you see the ones that have like the very disturbing, honestly, arts and stuff, that's a uh, that's the bad side of town. <laughs> yeah, that's what Chev looks like too. Oh. His eyes are. I just guess I know some kitchen in real life. Then enormous Julian... pupils are dilated. Oak. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um... <laughs> a lot of their arts feature cool things like them like riding hawks and stuff like that where it just showcases like cool things that you can do with small creatures plus they work with other tribes in some aspects showcased through cards where like you get benefit if you're playing with kithkin and elves or kithkin and giants and stuff like that uh specifically kithkin greatheart and kithkin mourncaller are two of those cards uh they're a super cool tribe that are too easy to hate on and can be can be appreciated if you give them some some time i mean i'm not gonna lie i Kind of wrote him off, but maybe I'll have to give him an- another look. Well, who were you looking at if not the glorious, glorious Kithkin? You know, I almost forgot that this certain tribe was uh, in Lorwyn, but I looked and I was like, ah, I kind of just, I have to do it to him, don't I? And that's the the fairies. I mean, they're literally called fairy tales, right? Like, I gotta, I feel like fairies I just gotta lean into Fairies in old it. English lore? No, certainly not. Yeah, they're very <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying like, you know, term fairy tales in reference to like a a myth or, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. semantics, semantics. Yeah. Fairies. I mean, mechanically and, and where they kind of fall in the color pie and everything, they're, they're everything I want to do right there. Uh, you know, they, a lot of times they have flash They're uh, these little evasive threats. A lot of times they come with control abilities stapled onto them. So it's just, you know, I'm all about it. Chev, even so kindly when we did the, uh, the, the, our like Christmas deck exchange made me a very nice little flash, uh, blue black deck that had a fairy's uh sub theme with the fairy from Commander. yeah Legends yeah i'm pretty sure that beginning. was supposed to be from lore winter shadow more because i don't know where else we've seen fairies I, of that demeanor it would have sort to look yeah plus it's it's riding a bug which is a a theme that they have in this uh this set but the the other thing i like is once again like a lot of things on shadow more uh lore and shadow more the lore ones they're basically what you'd expect, but something feels kind of off, right? Like these fairies, if you compare these fairies to the ones on uh, Eldraine or just throughout the rest of Magic, there's something slightly off. They have like this weird, almost like insecty kind of like the the way their body is. It looks kind of like a like a praying mantis or something. And then uh, once you go to Shadowmoor, like they're just totally like evil looking and like spooky and creepy, and uh, you know definitely like. You just have like a little platoon of fairies come in through the night and just like pick up your newborn out of the cradle and just take it away. And I don't know, but yeah, like you said, the, the fairies, I think one of the biggest things that carries all of our choices throughout this entire thing is just the art style is so on point, but the, the fairies are super sweet mechanically. And then especially how they're implemented in terms of the normalish fairies and then the bad fairies. Well, I, I would actually argue that a little bit, Julian, um, mostly because in the lore, the fairies don't forget that Lorwyn exists. Like the big thing is when Lorwyn switches to Shadowmoor, all these creatures become a version of themselves that they always remember themselves being. But since this sort of shift is brought on, the fairies are kind of exempt from that. And I'm, I'm, I'm like looking at some of their arts and I didn't really see a large disconnect between the Lorwyn fairies and the Shadowmoor fairies like maybe their art style was a little bit shifted but like they're they're mostly the same entities who are exempt from it by the the queen's magic i appreciate that chev i don't i actually don't know that much about the lore like especially any sort of storyline that exists so i didn't realize that it was a like an amnesia sort of thing um so thanks for clearing that up i i think i think for me it was mostly just 
which cards they chose to put on what mm-hmm. what yeah, yeah, side of the the barrier and then also yeah i think the art style a little bit which is something i'll talk about later but i think that as well but may- maybe i was tricking myself into thinking there was more of a difference but still i don't know i think all my points stand generally mm-hmm. well chev i would say that your your tribe that you picked has a, a mu- once again a much more distinct change when when i first got into magic before we kind of started as a play group and when I say got into, I mean, I convinced my mom to buy me a couple packs at Target when I was like, what, 10, 11. It was in these Lorwyn starter packs. So I kind of have a, a really sort of soft spot and call to roots for the original white-blue merfolk, uh, which I remember was one in my decks and that, that sort of art style. So being able to come back to the plane, I did a ton of background research into how all these things operated. And, you know, as much as I would have loved to talk about those very nice merfolk from the Lorwyn side of the plane that are kind of the merchants and travel agents I guess I really want to talk about the flamekin because the flamekin are this super cool idea where throughout magic's history you see a lot of elementals be given sort of an ethereal property where they're kind of independent they're on their own they're they're entities that kind of embody certain aspects of nature m20 uh, had an elemental sub theme but Nothing has come close to the the bond and culture and community of the Flamekin elementals on Lorwyn, where they are actually these beings that exist and they're all kind of fire-based. And they're trying to form a relationship with the other tribes on Lorwyn to help them in their pursuits and kind of be this sort of consistent and normal type of elemental. And I think that's a super cool area to explore. Uh, on top of that, when we, we switch the plane to Shadowmoor, these, these Flamekin of kind of open warmth become a sort a switch into kind of everything that's bad about fire right like as fire can be warming and bring people together but it gets out of control it's insane rage and can burn everything in its path and then we have them called the cinders and they had the mechanic wither in the Shadowmoor sets which is one of my favorite mechanics of all time and has been a staple of my hepatra edh deck from day one as a sort of powered down infect um and it's just such a cool connection for the elemental to kind of force this relentless pursuit, uh, even at their own demise, if you think about kind of like cinders and how they can spread fire, but at the end, they're just kind of dust. And so I really liked these these sort of very different takes on creature types. We don't see all that frequently in other places because we have seen fairies, we have seen tree folk, and I, we haven't seen Kithkin, mostly because we've seen dwarves. But, but we see <laughs> these other tribes other places and we haven't seen a sort of return to a, a elemental uh, community. And so I, I really like them for that. Oh, uh, where else do we see tree folk? Uh, I'm very curious about that. They show reasons. up in a couple places. Maybe I'm thinking of core sets. Um, but I know I know some of them Is tree are... of perdition a tree folk or just a tree? Just a tree, I'm pretty sure. Actually, it's I a plant. It's, yeah, yeah, that's just a creature type of plant. plant. We, we see them, we see like abominable tree folk, um, which is clearly not Lorwyn because it's like snow base from MH1. Uh, there's there's a couple from Theros as well, but but you're right, Oak. I think the the vast majority of them are from Lorwyn or kind of assumed to be uh, from Lorwyn. But it's one of the the tribes we get a sprinkle of each set, but nothing to the same extent that we've seen there. Yeah, I just well I, I bring that up for obvious reasons. I mean, if you're reading the notes, <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite uh, tribe on Lorwyn is are the tree folk. Uh, these guys draw very obvious inspiration from the Ent from Lord of the Rings. Uh, unlike the Ent, though, they're not these really like well, most of them are these really like grisly looking, like old, wise, you know, seasoned creatures. A, a lot <laughs> of them are really just like kind of like goofy and cartoonish looking. Like the uh, best example, you know, off the top of my head is like I think of this is. Uh, tree folk harbinger which is just like this really really oh weirdly s- smug looking tree almost like intoxicated kind of facial expression <laughs> uh which I-, I think is just really funny uh, but but they do prove to be badass uh you know in a lot of ways um i think these guys are really cool just super unique design uh you know again like one of my points was that like these guys really don't appear in like any other form on any other plain like as a focus at the very least there are some sprinkled in like uh, abominable tree folk but it'd be really cool to see like a full grouping or like theming of like cards like abominable tree folk or like oh wow these these are tree folk they're not from Lorwyn but 
and, you know, they're a little different. Like, these guys are, like, evergreen trees, and they live in the north or whatever. Or maybe, like, I don't know, you could have some silly, like... A lowland yeah. foreign tree folk? Oh, yeah, Yo. I was gonna say, like, some, Tropical like, palm... Hawaiian tree Yeah, folk. exactly. Palm tree executed. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I... I hate palm tree executed. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yep. Give it a card. Give it a card now. What what I need is uh when we go to Innistrad in the fall, I need like spooky scary tree folk and I need like a like a like a, a pumpkin like tree folk dude. That'd be sweet. That would be awesome. It just just anything. I feel like this could be applied like in so many places. Like it's just they're just trees with faces, you know. You don't even have to make them move, just make them defenders. Actually don't do that. They're they're too cool for that. But I, I really I really like They like, like smashing things too much with their giant like rock fists. Yeah, I I really like like the like um pine tree type tree folk idea that live in like the snow or something that'd be really cool finally um yeah, we cool. get give me a bomb of snow out yeah here. exactly finally we get one of the coolest lands i think in magic uh murmuring bosk this is a very like unique and cool land that's like yeah. oh it's searchable with like anything that can get oh, a yeah. forest so like your nature's lore or whatever but it also taps for three colors so i know eric's sticking that in his ur dragon deck i am <laughs> <laughs> So, you mentioned this earlier, Julian, but uh, I think we should talk about sort of that day-night dichotomy and, like, the that transition more. Right, the the thing that's most unique to Lorwyn and Shadowmoor and, like, how it really affected the design. Because it's not just a, a day-night, like, all the, the backgrounds of the art is now dark. It's like there's a, there's a change in the beings of the plane to the point where they completely assume new identities. And I think new creature types are added as well, where it's like you know, once the changes occurred and it is the night cycle, the Kithkin always believe they were in night and so do every other race. But yeah, it, it's, it's a really cool change. That's unique to the, to the plane. I mean, I appreciate how far they leaned into it. My, my personal pick, they leaned into it so far. Like you were saying that these, uh, the denizens of, of this plane, uh, completely changed my mind changed so much that they actually lost a color of mana and gained a new color. Uh, and that's, um, I mean, this might sound like I'm just picking an extra tribe because I couldn't pick, but, uh, I'm a big fan of the merfolk here because, um, first of all, merfolk have always been base blue, right? It makes sense. But a lot of the merfolk previous to this were like, there was like green merfolk in Ravnica. Um, like they were green blue and that's kind of been a, a staple going forward. But here in Lorwyn, um, on the plane of Lorwyn, they're blue and white. You know, their kind of like main front man is Sig, uh, River Guide. Like Chev was saying, these merfolk are like very benevolent. They're like very into teaching and knowledge and, you know, kind of almost like being like merchants, basically, which is cool. I really like that angle. And there's a lot of uh, uh, cool cards that came out of that. But once you switch over to Shadowmore, these dudes get absolutely freaky. And not like freaky in like we're cutting it up on the dance floor, but like freaky as in. God, I would not want to meet them in an alley or in a river. In a yeah, any any sort of body of water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so they they trade in the white for black, which is you know makes sense, right? Daytime white, nighttime black. Um, but these dudes are spooky. They're like kind of deformed. Honestly, some of them, if you got, I just was I like caught Little Mermaid on the TV the other day, and when uh, Ursula like zaps King Triton and he turns into like that weird like frail eel looking thing like that's what these merfolk remind me of it's honestly kind of spooky and um a lot of their names are like ink ink depth ink fathom like all these weird th and it like it honestly looks like they're like swimming through like an oil spill it's really kind of messed up and um if you've never seen ink fathom witch if you want to have nightmares for literally the entire rest of your life just look at the art on this card it's absolutely ridiculous my favorite example of this julian i think is a very like famous card for actually how good it is uh cold-eyed selkie yeah 100 percent. yeah that's that's nightmares too that's yep. that's not that for days is. that yeah. is one of those those weird ones that is actually uh green and blue i think this for me is like one of the most like these merfolk they just turn into like straight up bad dudes like the kithkin just look like they're like they just got cut you know caught on the wrong side of like some genetic experimentation or something but like the merfolk <laughs> now nah, they're just bad dudes they're gonna come into your hood and they're gonna mess you up you know the uh thing i picked or the the creature race i picked for my uh, favorite dichotomy between day and night kind of it's similar to the merfolk in the sense that they gain that black uh during the nighttime as opposed to their main color which is red and if you haven't figured out what i'm talking about right now uh piggyback off of Chev's favorite tribe and say the Flamekin slash the Cinders are my favorite day and night dichotomy. Um, I think the art really uh, capitalizes on this, I guess you could say. Uh, 
a lot of the daytime ones are this, like, very red and, like, orange-themed, uh, like, prideful and very just, like, exotic and upbeat, I guess you could say, looking creatures. And whereas at night, they'd be just become these, like, things that look like, they look like they're, like, falling apart, like, burning, and they've got this really, like, they're they're all black, like, ashy-looking, and then the, their flames are all, like, purple, which was an interesting choice. But I think it works really well, and I think um, the epitome, sort of, of this design is, if you look at Ashling's two iterations, Ashling the Pilgrim and Ashling the Extinguisher, they're, they're, like, the pose that Ashling is making in both of these is very similar, but the tone of the two cards is just completely different. Like, during the daytime, it looks very, like, adventurous, and, you know, the sun's out. During the night, Ashling is just, like, falling apart, and she's got this terrible expression on her face, and she's blasting flames all over the place. But it's awesome. It's really cool. The Flamekin slash Elemental slash whatever, they're like the epitome of Dark Souls, right? They're like, but soon <laughs> the flames will fade. Ashen yep. one, yep, you know exactly. These guys are going hollow like, oh. for sure, like I, like for literally real. hollow. Like their their insides are like burning out. And <laughs> <laughs> this has nothing to do with how cool this transition is for all of these cards. I really actually agree with this. This I might have chosen this if I didn't pick what I did. But I hate that Ashling the Pilgrim has no comma. <laughs> does she not? No, oh, that's true. Ashling comma does ex- does the extinguisher. extinguisher Ashling, no comma, the pilgrim. That is annoying. It was a great creature update for Shadowmore. They're like, what if we added commas to legendaries? No, they definitely just forgot that one. Yo, they messed up too because I don't. This is a total sidebar, but there's that uh that legendary that cares about you casting X spells. Like it taps for like a million mana if you cast an X spell. Roshin meander. And it doesn't. Yeah, and it it just why isn't it Roshin the meanderer or someone wrote the Roshin meander like. I hate when they don't give things that, like it's a legendary creature, but they don't give it a name. <laughs> like, come on, be better. Yeah. Anyways, Are you talking about sorry, Questing Beast, Julian? <laughs> don't even We're get not me talking started. About Eldraine today. How have we already mentioned Eldraine like three times on this cast? I'm I'm reaching my limit. I'm gonna go because it's very similar yeah. to this set. Yeah. Except for this set was full of fun and happiness, and Eldraine was not. All right, if you played against Merfolk Tribal back in the day, you probably didn't think it was filled with fun and happiness, but we're going to get off that for now. Instead, Fine. Uh, I actually also piggybacked off of someone's tribe that they chose. I picked Tree Folk. These trees, it's insane, the transition for them from day to night. Like, during the day, they all have faces. They look a lot like... Um, we're going to go for another Disney reference here. Grandmother Willow from Pocahontas. Just that, like, super chill tree. As Oakley said, they got very, like, calm faces. They're just vibing. <laughs> a couple of them get, like, some weird looks going on. But for the for the most part, they're, like, very happy and very peaceful. And then at night, they turn into the Curse Rotted Greatwood from Dark Souls 3. And they're just covered in, like, fungal growth and, like, spores. They become much more wild. Either their faces are much more obfuscated, or they, they may not even have faces. It's it's a huge transition from day to night for the tree folk. It's really cool to me, though, that 99% of the time you can look at the tree folk, and even missing the fact that it's day or night, you could be like, oh, I get the right vibe of like happiness or daytime from this tree, or like, ugh, like that's, that is creepy and unsettling just immediately. For me, I, um, I actually picked a tribe that doesn't exist on Lorwyn in the traditional sense. And I just thought it was a super cool thing with the, the Scarecrows. Uh, we see them as a creature type in Eventide and Shadowmoor. But they're basically the Scarecrows created by the Kithkin in Lorwyn to watch over their crops. But when things have gone a little bit, you know, nighttime, some of them that were enchanted to kind of help with tasks and help with the harvest and all these things kind of go a little bit wild. And you have this whole storyline um, for the Reaper King, which is a very famous uh, Scarecrow card, where he is like the first autonomous Scarecrow, and he's kind of pulling these creatures into his sort of collective and his own like little tribe. And they're the kind of these horrible monsters, but they have no real souls or anything like that. So I thought it was this really cool idea where we do have this plane that is super messed up, and then we have these Scarecrows that are ri- originally harvesting the crops, but they've kind of been tainted by this whole change. And now, you know... Are they evaluating if you're a crop or not when they're running at you with a scythe? And while this isn't the best example of kind of something swapping between the two, like Reese or Ashling, who have two cards, two identities, depending on the plane, I love the idea that this can only really work with the nature of Lorwyn. 
and it's such a unique sort of style of something that's a, a benign presence in one realm becomes a, a nightmarish thing on the other. And you can kind of see like creatures going to sleep and fearing these scarecrows and then waking up in the morning and they're just sitting in the fields like nothing ever happened. Everything goes bump in the night when you go to Shadowmoor. All the normal creatures, but also then like just inanimate objects too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leave it to Chev to pick the colorless tribe on this plane. Reaper King's got colors. One He's of them a, does, in fact, have colors. Two white, two red, uh, or two or white. One of the weirdest hybrid yeah. costs of all time. But uh, I've, I kept trying to make a Scarecrow deck, but it's it's very hard. It's not money. Chev, did you just uh, say hybrid mana? You're talking about some hybrid mana? I am talking about some hybrid mana, Julie. One of the other things that, that's really, really unique and interesting to Lorwyn at the time. What is, uh, what is hybrid mana, Chev? Could you just give us a reminder? Yeah, so hybrid mana is this weird thing where if you look at a card... And a mana symbol that would normally be green, red, blue, white, black. Instead, it's two of those colors with a sort of like squiggly line in the middle. And what that sort of um, means is it can be, that cost can be paid by either one of the two colors. So if you see one that's green or blue in that little circle, then you can pay a green or blue mana to kind of pay for that spell. Now something to keep in mind, of course, is if you have a green commander and it's a mono green deck, you cannot include a card that is hybrid green with anything because as commander currently sits a hybrid cost a a card is evaluated by all the mana costs on it so if a card has a hybrid symbol of green and blue it can only fit in color identities that are green blue plus Uh, but it is a super cool thing you see in in other formats where it allows you to kind of lean in one color and the philosophy behind hybrid cards is they could fit in either color with minimal bending so it allows you to play more interesting cards in a deck, but keep the number of colors you actually have to run down. Notably, uh, the people who make the game are of the opinion that you should be allowed to run it in a commander deck if it fits one of the colors. Right, because of the the philosophy of it where the hybrid card should exist in either color. Therefore, it, it would follow the um, underlying idea that it could go in either color. That That sort of drives home the point of, like, these really, like, theoretically could be either color alone but they have chosen to put them together and usually you can see that that's sort of where those colors meet and you get Mm -hmm. you get a great like visual intersection and mechanical intersection of sort of how the color color pie goes together but anyway let's talk about some cards correct me if i'm wrong i believe the lorwyn block was the first time that they did hybrid mana I think it might be. The only other thing that could possibly contest is Ravnica, but I don't think OG Ravnica had... Wait, what about oh, no, Alara? I don't know. Alara. Did Alara... Oh, yeah, that no, was... Alara did have hybrid I don't remember colors, if that was... Alara was after. After, after yeah. Alara was after Lorwyn. Yeah. Um, OG Ravnica might have, but I think this is the first time, and it's really the only time I think that they've leaned into the hybrid mana thing, um, probably just because it was the first time. But once again, it really fits that Lorwyn Shadowmore kind of thing where it's it could be either side you know what I mean yeah. so since it's such a, a main theme and is so flavorfully aligned what is your guys's favorite hybrid card or your favorite use of hybrid mana I guess uh mine's really simple uh possibly one of the, the simplest cards ever meant and Julian's already given me a look I can tell because <laughs> he hates this card it's a it's a beautiful card if I if I had a deck that could run it I would in a heartbeat my pick for my favorite hybrid colored card is the one mana, a green or a red, guttural response. It is an instant that counters a another target blue instant spell. Did I say that wrong? No. Yeah, it's any... I wonder why you would yeah. like that. I I, I, th- I just think... Okay, this, this card is just so funny, because, first of all, like, in, in the older art, the, what the art is like... Mentioned something about, like, warts, like, raid bellow. Like, it looks like some saliva that, like, got shaped into a blade, and it's, like, cutting a blue spell in half. That's funny. But recently, there was a a reprint, and I don't remember exactly which... I think it was from... Mind versus Might. Yeah, okay. Was, Mind versus Might duel. Yeah, I, I, I had a feeling. But the, the art is basically just, uh, um... Like a gorilla, like just screaming at the top of his lungs. Yep. It's a gorilla it's in plate mail, notably. Running at you. Running at camera. So, so Chev basically uh, 
wouldn't stop bringing that up when, around the time that came out, because I believe we bought that dual deck, and he we kept did. comparing me to the grill on the card, which, thank you very much, Jeff. <laughs> uh, thematically, I think this is just, like, a great card, too. Like, it's the two enemy colors of blue coming together to just be, like, get that blue spell out of here. I don't want this heresy in my, uh... Blue skidoo. My game. Yes, exactly. Blue skidoo. that thing. Um, and then the other, I guess aspect to it is just how funny it seems to be a spell where it is literally just a person screaming to interrupt someone else's like very calculated like meticulous you know blue mage spell like like you know some like reciting some like ancient texts and some guy off in the distance is like <laughs> and then it's just like oh i can't focus <laughs> it's my dream to play that against julian i i my life will be complete when i can play the gorilla art against Julian doing some weird blue shenanigans, and I just get to yell at him and have it, uh... Have you it gotta win. just burp in his face. He's gonna be, like, explaining the card, and you're just you're just gonna slap it down and go, ah. <laughs> yep. yep. He'll know what it means. It's the epitome of just, like, blah, 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 I'm not listening, yeah, exactly. I'm not listening. Yes. Speaking of someone who's not listening, just quick honorable mention to Vexing Shusher, who is a, another sort of similar green-red hybrid card that is pretty good at hosing, uh, you know... It, instant speed strategies hey, uh, hey, counter hey, spells. Hey, hey. Shut up. I'm playing. <laughs> yeah. It's my turn. I don't care what you're trying to do. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's kind of like in this set, Red Green just joined forces and then had it with blue overall. Between fairies and merfolk, they were like, nah, just just stop. No one no one wants this. The goblins had shit to do. Tev, your pick here is also a very funky looking one mana card. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, so clearly I've got to pick Slippery Boggle. Um, most ridiculous card known to man. No, I, I, well, I think Slippery Boggle is a great use of the hybrid cost. For the small amount of time I was doing Modern, or, or Pauper, um, I had a, a Pauper Boggles build that upset everyone on MTGO. But, what I really, what I really like about the, the hybrid use here, especially was this one cycle of cards, where it was, if you paid with, like, it would be two colors, um, the one I'm gonna talk about is green-white, and then it's if you paid green mana to cast the spell, you get X benefit, and if you used white mana to cast this spell, you get Y benefit, which I think is this really cool way of like, listen, you know, this can work in either deck, um, but there are benefits to finding a way to play both. Uh, and so none of these are, are a better coming together of colors than Dawn Glow Infusion, which I think is um, two hybrid green, white, and then X. And all it is, is if you used, if you paid white to cast this spell, gain X life. If you ca used green to cast the spell, gain X life. And so you kind of have this cool sort of mechanical flavor where it's like you pay both colors, you get double the amount of life gain when normally, you know, each color would do kind of their own thing. But here we see just the perfect overlap since both green and white do life gain. And I just thought that was super cool where like, yeah, you add that one extra color and it doubles the the total amount of mana or, or total amount of life you gain from this. So it's like a very simple, concise form that I think is a really elegant use of hybrid because... Hybrid mana is such a small space to develop in since both colors need to have a connection to the ability on the card. There were a lot of cycles in, like, Lordwind and Shadowmoor. It, it felt like almost every card was a part of a cycle or a part of a group or something. It was just a really, like, design-complete set where no, no card was just sort of wandering off on its own, it felt like. Besides maybe the Planeswalkers. Yeah. yeah. They were definitely wandering on their own. Originally cast for Future Sight, and they are like, nah, just throw them in this storybook play. <laughs> hey, well, they were part of a cycle, though. That's was one of each <laughs> There was a cycle of <laughs> these Planeswalkers. <laughs> but uh, my personal hybrid mana card is also part of a cycle, and I think Eric's is as well. Correct. Um, my, my pick is Divinity of Pride, which is part of the cycle of... Uh, they weren't gods, because they weren't creature-type god. Oh, demigods. I knew, I knew there was something that tied them together, but each one of them was five pips of a split color, and then there was one for every two-color pair. So Divinity of Pride is five hybrid black or whites. So all black, all white, or any combination of the two. I think this is just... I, I like all the split card uses of those demigods, but I think that uh, Divinity of Pride is the best because on many levels, right? First off, just the name, Divinity of Pride. There are divinities... Um, in both black and white yes technically there are gods in every color and we've seen that further but like if you just think of like the most stereotypical fundamental sort of thing like white is like the holy color right there's like god and then black is like the 
the demon color or whatever, you know, there's like demons or Satan or whatever you want to call. So there's divinities on both sides. Um, and both can be prideful, uh, black aligned things can be prideful in terms of like, uh, you know, it's all about me. I'm selfish. I want, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. And then pride in turn on the white side in terms of like, uh, upholding the law and like being like prideful, like a knight, that sort of thing. And then finally, in terms of its actual mechanical thing, it's got flying and lifelink, which are both things that we've seen in black and white. And as long as you have 25 or more life, this is back before they did the whole as more than your starting life total, which is this kind of really helps out if you're playing commander because it's just like, oh, easy. I have 40 life to start out with. Um, It gets plus four plus four. It rewards you for gaining life, which is once again something that we've seen in both black and white. White has a lot of just like things that have lifelink or incidental life gain or whatever, whereas black does uh, life gain as well, but it's more of the draining gain. I'm going to take it from you and uh, give it to myself to better myself. So it, every single aspect of this card is can be split basically down the middle on either the black aligned side or the white aligned side, or a combination of the two, as we've seen with Orzhov cards, you know, doing that sort of draining gain, get benefit for, for paying life. So I think this is the like the most straight up on point. It does the thing uh, in terms of hybrid mana. Yeah, all of the demigods, I think, do a really good job, but I agree Divinity of Pride is especially like really, really good. And it's also like just pretty powerful compared to the others. I've had it played against me. Yeah. I mean, Eric, I could I could say the same thing about your pick. Yeah. Um, in terms like all that. So my cycle is actually the lieges. Again, they did a cycle of ten of them, one for each color pair with hybrid mana. Less specific about the mana cost though. They were a little more freeform just so that they could distribute the power levels a little more. Specifically, some of them, some of them ended up in a little bit of a weird spot with like kind of. Uh, they were actually, sorry, one of two mana costs. It was either one and then three of the hybrid or two and then three of the hybrid. So some of them... Yeah. Except for the one that you picked, which is three and then three yes, of the hybrid. Yes, and then three and then three of the hybrid for mine. Um, sometimes you get you get Thistle Down Liege, which is a four mana, one three with flash. And then all of the lieges have other creatures of one of the colors get plus one, plus one. And other creatures of the other color get plus one, plus one. So any creatures that have both colors get plus two, plus two. They're notably not legendary, so you could have multiple out at once. It's pretty cool. Uh, but they all have some sort of additional effect. So the one I mentioned, Thistledown Liege, has Flash. But the one I'm talking about is actually Mind Rack Liege, which is three. And then uh, three blue-red hybrid. Blue creatures you control get one, one. Red creatures you control get one, one for a four, four. And then its shared ability is four blue-red hybrid. Uh, you may put a blue or a red creature card from your hand into play. So we have seen blue cheat creatures into play with things like show and tell. Uh, we've seen red cheat creatures into play with things like sneak attack. But this is something that we've sort of seen in both. And now it's combined on this one card. It's a card that is sort of the perfect meeting of them. And it's it's a really good use of hybrid mana. And I, I like it for that reason. Um, a lot of the legions do a great job of it. Some of them are just like, hey, here's a keyword that's common to both. But others have really good, like, niches that they find where the colors really connect. But yeah, one one more fun little thing about him is you take an initial look at the card and you're like, oh, he's a, he's a spooky ghost guy. And he's, like, behind this fence. Uh, and then you take a look at sort of everything else around him. And he is, like, twice the size of a house. And, like, there's these giant looming trees around him. He's, it's, th- things are just wild. And. But yeah, I really like Mindrack Liege. I like all the Lieges, but that, that's sort of the gold standard. Um, so, the, Julian, you and my creatures both were not legendary, but they were they were very unique. What are what are some of our favorite legendary creatures? Thank you for that, because I I kind of I didn't really know how to transition. I was also um, floundering, and I, I I went with what I had. <laughs> I think the the beautiful thing is that Eric, you and I picked, or we both at least nodded to uh, one of the most unique creatures in the set. Uh, my my personal favorite is Wart the Raid Mother. Um, who I should have pulled up so that I actually knew exactly what she did. Do, 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 do. I believe she is four and two red-green hybrid for a goblin something. She is a, a four mana, four generic mana, and then two uh, gruel hybrids for a legendary creature, creature goblin shaman. She's a, f- oh, only a three, three. So not exactly getting there on rate, Whoa. but she has more abilities. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just the vanilla test. We're we're doing very poor, but she's got she's got words on her. Um, when she enters the battlefield, create two one one red and green goblin warrior creature tokens. Okay, so she comes with friends. Boom, nice, we're up but to she's five, also got five in stats. That's almost on rate. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially for, for especially for a rare. Um, but she also has uh, this last line, which is uh, each red or green instant or sorcery spell you cast has conspire. And I forgot about this because I actually think I probably would have put this on like our forgotten mechanics episode, which I literally just talked about last week, and I still don't remember what number it is. I want to say it was like episode like nineteen or maybe twenty one oh, or something. Nope. It's not twenty five. Yeah, I can tell you that much. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. But um, anyway, so and conspire is as you cast a spell. In this case, a green or red instant or sorcery spell. You may tap two untapped creatures you control that share a color with it. And when you do, copy it, and you may choose new targets for the copy. So say that I have Wart and one other red creature out or green creature out. Such as one of her goblins. Such as one of her... Yeah, she gives us two uh, to start with, so kindly. Um, and I cast a Cultivate. I can tap two of those creatures down, and I can copy the Cultivate. And now I'll ramp even more. Or I can cast a Fireball and then tap two of them down, and now I have a second Fireball um, because why not? So Wart's cool... First, I, I first I, I feel like I have to talk about the art just because it's it's the most whack. It's just the most whack. Um, I mean, goblins on this plane are crazy in general, especially on Shadowmore's side. And Wart's just she's in the trap house. Let's be real. But the thing that I really like about Wart is that it uh, it leans into these sort of archetypes that are kind of in both um, colors, but one's much more supported than the other. Like immediately, you could just play. Um, wart with like a lot of tokens right which is a thing that both green and red does um you know green has things like doubling season and loves making tokens red loves making like a bunch of little tokens usually to do like a swarm in kind of strategy that's something that you can do in both of those colors um green red is you know probably one of the most used token combos other than like green white but then there's also this secondary theme of her wanting you to cast spells, right? Because she wants you to conspire them. And spell slinging is a thing that red does, but usually only in conjunction with, like, blue and, like, an is it shell. So it's it's sort of red, but sort of not. Um, but for green, green's not really, like, a spell slinging color, right? Green's, like, a creature color. So the fact that Wart can now utilize the amount of creatures that red and green can make to start spell slinging with these bigger spells that normally you wouldn't be able to like copy in green you know if you're thinking about things like savala stampede or like genesis you know um well i was gonna say storm but also wave you know those sort of things when you get to start copying those things in a gruel deck now you're getting really crazy you're kind of doing things that are a little in the gray area in terms of the color pie and work kind of allows those shenanigans to happen and i I think that's a, a really nice lane that i wish they would actually I take that back. I don't think green needs that sort of thing anymore. <laughs> but, but for the time, for the time, it was cool. Yo, they should do. They should do. I want them to remake Wart, but like make her make her Boros or something, because that would be cool if you could do like a Boros sort of thing like that. Yeah, but goblins anyway. aren't Boros. They well, she doesn't have to be a Ravnica. goblin. Yeah, but yeah, there are Boros. But it never but felt right. It didn't have to be a goblin. Goblins I just want and being orderly, or like, it just doesn't work it's weird um yeah you don't they don't need to be goblins just make us a, a commander that does the same thing it can literally be like the exact same words just change like the mana cost the stats the creature type and then like what creatures it makes just make it like a, a freaking human that makes humans or something and then just be like <laughs> all your red and white instants and sorceries have snooze humans anyway it can be it can be it can be blort the the rave mother wrong <laughs> All right, I was also going to talk about Wart, but now I'm glad I didn't, because Julian has just just ruined her for me. Instead, (laughs) I'm going to talk about Sapling of Kolfenor, which uh, Kolfenor was actually printed in Commander Legends, so now we got to to see the big poppy uh, for this Sapling. Um, But Sapling of Kolfenor is a great legend that really encourages deck building uh, in the correct way. Uh, legendary creature tree folk shaman for three and two black green hybrid uh, with indestructible whenever it attacks reveal the top card of your library if it's a creature card gain life equal to its toughness lose life equal to its power put it into your hand it's a two five so she really has sort of a game plan built into her but it's not so strict that it completely limits your deck building it points you in a direction points you towards tree folk tribal points you towards sort of thick creatures but it it doesn't force you to go that way 
you're okay to occasionally draw a card and lose a life. And also, if it's not a creature card, you don't really, like, lose anything other than you, you don't get the draw. You still get to scry, to not scry it, but look at the top card of your library, essentially. I just really like how this card engages with your deck in that Forgotten Mechanics I talked about, Clash, and uh, Splice Onto, which really focus on what's in your deck and encourage you to look at things before you sort of put your deck together uh, and, and have a game plan going into every game. And I think Sapling of Colfenor sort of scratches a similar itch for me. Yeah, I feel I feel similarly about my pick, which is uh, Sig River Cutthroat. A little bit simpler, um, just a two mana one three. Uh, at the beginning of each end step, if an opponent lost three or more life this turn, you may draw a card. So from a commander aspect, you do get the ability to draw off of you know anyone's end step if someone was dealt damage, and that's pretty cool. But from a, a deck building perspective, it kind of gives you the side quest of trying to find a way to deal specifically three or greater damage to draw that card. And anything that gives you a, a more deck building restrictions or theme, I, I always love to build around because it allows you to utilize some more of those jank cards that are kind of on the edge of uh, what's playable in Commander, especially at our level of probably like six, seven, eight. And so it just gives you something more unique and interesting to latch onto as opposed to a deck where anyone could lead it and it would do just as well, really. And so you kind of have these these themes to go around. And while I'm, I'm more familiar, you know, with the, the Lorwyn version of Sig, when I was looking at the commanders from these two blocks and what I would really want to build around, I was immediately drawn to Sig River Cutthroat as kind of a cool puzzle to solve in Demir to do this direct damage or, or find a way to get unblockable creatures through or whatever it takes to kind of build around this unique specialty uh, that makes the commander good. Yeah, I'd be very interested to see what sort of like light burn plan you could come up with in Demir with Sig. I, I would I would love to see a deck on this from you. There's definitely some like really cool ideas. I, I think I it would be a struggle between like how much of it you dedicate to light burn or unblockable creatures and that guys and how much you do politically. Because I instantly when you said that I was thinking, okay, throw the monarchy in and never go for it. Like the second you drop a monarchy in there and you have opponents attacking each other for damage when you get to a mid game that damage is going to be three plus and so you can sit back and collect these cards while everyone kind of hits each other um but i think that that would be less interesting than um your point eric of finding a way to directly deal this damage yourself or i i, I would think it probably has to do with we've seen like discard synergies or draw synergies um particularly with the commander precons that we did last week with nekusar and stuff where you have you penalize opponents for drawing cards. I think that would be a pretty solid thing because that's base black. And you could have that as the package where opponents are drawing two or three cards in each of their turn. You're drawing just as many, but also dealing that consistent damage to them throughout. Mm. I, I think this is a much more unique and interesting version of a tried and true, possibly too powerful. Eric, help me out on this. Uh, Edric, Spy Master of Trust. Edric is is definitely commander like high power viable for sure he, he's strong yeah it's just it's a lot less it's a lot more controlled version because it doesn't let your like opponents draw like an absurd amount of cards as well uh edric being whenever whenever any creature i'm pretty sure connects with anyone it you get, just get to draw a card so it's like everyone's got biden to fasa basically <laughs> or reconnaissance mission please correct me if i'm wrong but yeah that's uh that's definitely a more wild version of what's going on here. Uh, I personally saw this as like a very good vessel for like a weenie deck, like you said, Chev, like a bunch of like small and blockable creatures. You could throw like uh, throw a little uh, infect in there, you know, just just for kids. All right, you ruined it. I mean, <laughs> you get to throw your favorite mechanic in there, which is goad, would be beautiful in this deck. This is true. Yes, unfortunately, there's not a ton of that in these colors, but. Yeah, yeah, Goad is mostly base red. Is I, th I thought there was some Goad There's some. outside of... There's a few cycles from Commander sets, like we had those um, enchantments, like Parasitic Impetus, which is enchant creature, it's black, uh, black and two, gets plus two, plus two, and goaded, and whenever it attacks, its controller loses two life and you gain two life. So honestly, that would that fit in pretty well. And then the blue version of that is whenever enchanted creature attacks, scry two. Right, yeah. Chev, no infect, because you're not technically dealing any like they're not losing life you know you're dealing damage in the term poison counters so that's true the infect would just be for me julian for funsies L little cherry on top for fun oh all right a little, well, little bit yeah. who, am I to who am i to ruin your fun he doesn't exactly. want to deal more than three damage he's trying to be nice he wants to hit you for exactly three and, and then ten infect seven and yeah <laughs> seven and ten infect right yeah okay that makes sense 
That's legit. So I guess counter to Chev's uh, very complex deck, the commander I chose for mine is a very, uh, I guess, straightforward. Uh, as many Boros commanders are, uh, Brian Stout Arm is a very sort of one lane, I feel like, type of deck. But that's not to say there's not a lot you can do with them. It's definitely different than most Boros commanders, which are all about attack, attack, attack. On the other hand, Brian Stout Arm is a 4-4 giant. Very cool design, if you ask me. This dude with, like, all kinds of, like, sick, you know, beard braids. And, well, he's pretty ugly. But, you know, it kind of reminds me of um, Bruce Tarl. <laughs> a giant version <laughs> of Bruce Tarl. Um, yeah, but, they're definitely homies. Yeah, but anyways, he's a 4-4 uh, giant warrior. He's got lifelink and the ability tap him and pay a red sacrifice a creature other than him. Brian Stout's arm deals damage equal to the sacrifice creature's power to target player. And if you can't, if you haven't put it together by this point, uh, the flavor here, and you'll see this very clearly if you look at the card art itself, is that he's throwing whatever creature you sacrifice at the opponent. So he's got like, he's just got like built in like infinite flings. So in a deck like this, you'd want to play creatures that just have like you, you don't care about, like, trample or, you know, flying, evasion, unblockable, anything like that. You just want to play the biggest boys you can find. So, like, Sarah Avatar, Malignus. Oh, jeez. I, I actually started, like, putting a deck together for this guy just because I remembered him and <laughs> thought he was so cool. There's so so many cool ones. Uh, like, there's one with, oh, jeez, with Encore from uh, Commander Legends. I totally forgot, but it's also, like, Sarah Avatar. But, yeah, just just giant creatures, and you're going to want to play, like, stuff that, you know, reanimates them. You could put your boy Feldon in there, make some artifacts, copies of creatures, and just start tossing them. You play Gift of Immortality, that when you sacrifice that creature, he just, like, comes back. He's like, do it again, man. Throw me again. It was fun. That's a cursed existence. Yep. <laughs> Just yoinking um, worm coil engines at your opponents over and yep. over again. Yep. Don't yep. don't say that. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> well, now yeah. I'm upset. So, but I, I just think this is a very cool and like potential for like sneak up on you how good it is kind of commander and there's just you know there's a lot of really cool flavor and I, I think the character is just hilarious and awesome in his own right. Not to bring up Infect again, but if you consider tossing a little grafted exoskeleton on Brian, getting getting some, some slime balls in there. <laughs> oh, doo -doo. We're throwing curveballs yeah. in a different way. Oh, uh, no, I did not consider that even for a second. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Was that because you just, uh, you, it literally just didn't cross your mind, or you thought about it and you were like, I'm not a scumbag? Uh, it didn't cross my mind at all, but I like to think that's because I'm not a scumbag. <laughs> a good defense. Oak plays a very puritanical game of magic. If it violates one of those rules, he won't do it. He's the honorable man, while the rest of us are scheming how to throw literal scorpions at people. Yeah. So this is a card I, I think just deserves to see a lot more play in general, I think, in Commander. Um, speaking of which, there's a, quite a few of those in Lorewind, uh, don't we think, Phyllis? <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. I've got a couple. Um, I'll go real quick, because I, I picked a, a few. And we'll go from... From most well-known to least well-known. First, Fracturing Gust. Yes, it hits your own artifacts. It's as much as a Vandal Blast. It's three and then two um, green-white hybrids. Destroys all artifacts and enchantments. Gain two life for each thing destroyed. Now, listen. You gotta do more to be getting rid of artifacts and enchantments. In any game that goes long, it's the artifacts and enchantments that are really pulling that weight, not so much the creatures. So any time you have the ability to add a spell like this that can kind of just deal with them en masse, the number of times we're in games where it's like, okay, I can handle one artifact. How many can you handle? One artifact, all right? Now he doesn't have his boots. He doesn't have his um, Phyrexian altar. But he's still got, you know, Mirari's Wake or uh, Phyrexian Arena and all those. So if a deck capitalizes on those, having a sort of wrath for these outside of red, super nice. Uh, also look at a, a few greens for this, but Fracturing Gust, super good. And the life gain will probably be non-negligible in the mid game. Shout out From to there we cleaning. go to Nightmare Incursion. <laughs> Terrible card. You should not play this if you value your friendships. But... If you're going to a, if you're going to grift into a local game store, win a game, make everyone sad, and then disappear into the mist, this is it. You basically get to search an opponent's library for X cards where X is equal to the swamps you control. So it's a bit like a Praetor's Grasp. Heinous. 76 cents. 
very worth picking up for a mono black deck. Um, again, if you're just trying to cut your opponents off at the shins. But now we get to my favorite. And it is something that I have constantly said mostly to Julian to get him upset over the years. And that is being able to counter someone's land drops. Now, of course, this comes up most with Tatiova, one of Julian's favorite decks to play. I did not realize a card could actually do this, which makes me so happy because that means we could see more in future. And that is Moonhold. It's two and a hybrid red-white. Target player can't play land spells this turn if red was spent to play Moonhold and can't play creature cards this turn if white was spent to play it. Chev, I, I, I hate to do this to you. Did you happen to read the gatherer page on this? Uh, I'm reading the... I have the rules open to it right now. Moonhold does not stop effects that put a card onto the battlefield. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So that's sad. So you're, you're going to want to hit him with this in the upkeep. You have to go for more physical physical approaches, which is just, just punch Julian in the face, and then he, he can't really play those, those lands. This cards. card sucks. <laughs> yeah, never mind. This, this, card is, this really is not blows. played for a reason. Yeah. I got so excited. This is kind of like a... It's almost like a silence, basically, right? You're yeah. like, I need someone to not do anything next turn. Oh, sorry, man. I know you were really hyped about that, but... uh. I was specifically thinking that you might play this against someone who's, I don't know, they, they, maybe they've got like seven mana and like next turn they're going to drop like a seven five and two more random spells out of their deck <laughs> and everything's going to have haste and you're going to be like, man, I just wish I was dead and Oaks really helps me out with that. That might be the time for the moon hold. <laughs> That's where a nightmare incursion comes in. Just take out all the targets. Throw in a Praetor's Grasp, throw in that, you got him. Chef, Nightmare Incursion is like Sadistic Sacrament Part 2. It's like, oh, you thought we were done? We're just getting started. If you think they're not Indeed. both in the same deck, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they 100% are. If it was an instant, oh you know where it would be, but uh sadly. What are you talking about? Moonhold is an instant. <laughs> no, 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 no. No one's talking about Moonhold anymore. Yep. <laughs> nope. It's it's dead to me. Alright, Oak, it looks like you've got a you've got a quick one. Yeah. So my pick is a Ligmafy. Did I get anyone with that? Uh, Ligma okay, one. No. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, all right. This is a two mana enchantment aura. Uh, actually, tribal tree folk spell as well. Um, target creature or enchanted creature becomes uh, a zero four tree folk creature with no abilities. So this is like you know, it's kind of like Song of the Dryads if you've seen that. Um, it's a little bit worse than Song of the Dryads, not gonna lie, because, you know, turning something into a land makes it so that they can't block with it, just, like, the next turn, and then, like, if it's their commander, recast it, uh, which maybe, I guess you could consider a little more fun, perhaps. Um, but, it doesn't ramp your opponent, and if your uh, opponent's got a creature that's, like, indestructible, for example, uh, like Chev's, you know, classic Ulamog, uh, hate that guy. Or maybe he has some, like, effect where it dies, like an Ashen Rider or something like that. Um, you can use this to sort of uh, skirt around those abilities and get rid of the creature regardless. And the art is funny. It's the guy turning into a tree. Poor guy. And wondering why his feet are thirsty. <laughs> I actually took a, took a very similar card, uh, which is Prison Term. Uh, it's a... A card very similar to O-Ring, which I'm sure a lot more people have heard of, but uh, Prison Term is 1 and 2 white uh, for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack, block, or activate abilities, and whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you may attach Prison Term to that creature. So, I really like this, and, and to some extent I actually think I like it more than O-Ring, because even though it only hits creatures... It's super versatile. You don't have to be afraid of playing it out too early or onto the wrong target because, you know, if I, I this comes down and it I put it on Tatiova at the start of a game and then Oak later casts Maelstrom Wanderer, as soon as Wanderer's in, I can switch it over to him, shut off the haste, shut off the seven damage that's coming in. It does prevent him from blocking or, you know, if, if anything crazy starts to happen and a key creature enters the battlefield, you can switch this over quickly and I... I think that makes a big difference in how powerful a card it is. Also, as always, on Lower Wind and Shadowmore, just great art of one of the cinders, like, burning itself out, like, locked up. 
first of all, O-Ring is in this set and also has art of in, like, Ashling, like, burning up or something like that. Or not not Ashling, uh, uh... Cinder. Someone's getting hugged by a big old circle. Yeah. But I think it's in Lorwyn. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it's, it is a flamekin. Maybe that maybe that's like O-Ring turns into prison term. You know, you had, like, the parole bra- bracelet on, but now we're just gonna put you in solitary. Um, well, you guys all had cards with good art. I don't think mine actually has like that great art, um, especially relative to y'all's, but I think I like mine the best in terms of effect. I think it's a, a very unique effect, and that is a Cache Raiders, uh, which is three blue blue for a four four Merfolk Rogue. Just got a single line of text on it. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, return a permanent you control to its owner's hand. Now, this may seem like a downside, because it's like every turn, oh, like this board presence that I've built up, it's diminishing, but in EDH, yes, people attack right but i feel like after you get through that initial phase of like playing edh you realize that etbs and cast triggers are where it's at especially on creatures but i mean artifacts enchantments all that sort of stuff can have etbs as well so with case raiders giving you just a recurrable way to reuse these you know whatever spells these permanents um i think it's absolutely sick there are several different powerful decks that are built around just etbs i'm thinking chulane I'm thinking Brago. I'm thinking uh, Rune of the Hidden Realm. These are all powerful and known quantities that just want to play, that want to have as many ETBs as possible. So with Case Raiders, you're just getting a free buyback of whatever your best or most important thing is. God forbid you have something like a Panharmonicon out. Before anyone starts to question what uh, Case Raiders are, it's actually Cash Raiders. C-A-C-H-E Raiders. Uh, thank you, Saffron Olive, a.k.a. Julian. <laughs> for <laughs> Sorry. I'm pretty sure that's how it's pronounced. No, it's a it's, cash. It, is, it is a cash. It is not a cash. Look it up. <laughs> it is not a quiche. Julian, fervently Googling the difference between breakfast egg pie and treasure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're right. <laughs> Google pronunciation says you're right. All right. Well, I wanted to differentiate it from people thinking these are the cash raiders, right? They're coming in, they're busting, they're busting out your door, they're <laughs> opening your vault, and they're taking all your money. Brother, they're holding a treasure chest. They're taking all your money. <laughs> oh, they, uh, they. I did not even realize that one guy has like a legit treasure chest. That's something I forgot to mention when I was talking about the the merfolk and the the day night thing, right? Like normally they're like merchants, they're like cool guys, right? In the nighttime, they're freaking pirates. They come through, they're just like, we're stealing, you know, we're not, we're not doing things the right way. We're stealing your shit. They're pirates with the creature type rogue. I think this was before they had pirate creature type, but, uh, but anyway, we are running quite long. Called it. What? I said called it. <laughs> you know, Chef said his part was going to be quick on the last one, and then he took freaking forever because he didn't know what Moonhold did. Well, I didn't know what it did, but, um, you didn't know what it didn't do. Listen, this isn't taking forever because one of us is making it take forever. This is a team effort. Yeah, it's time. It's it's very much time to end the podcast. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can find it uh, to listen again, of course, because you definitely have to get the good info a second time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, wherever else better podcasts are found. If you want to fi- find more content by the Hex Trinkers, you can go to hextrinkers.com. Uh, we have articles there. We have links to our videos, um, and we also have this brand spanking new fancy play button uh, that shows you if we are well not play button it's a button that shows you if we're streaming or not uh, our stream would be on twitch.tv slash hex drinkers the videos that we pull onto our website you can see all of those videos at youtube slash hex drinkers if you want to engage with us you can talk to us uh either at email hex drinkers at gmail.com or you can go on our socials which would be twitter and instagram at hex drinkers what if they want the premium I don't content. Think I anything what if they want the best of oh the best? listen if you want the premium content, a.k.a. the unedited, uh, currently one hour and 32 minutes and counting long version of this podcast, of which I know you're not getting because I'm editing down. Hopefully it's only going to be like an hour. You can support us on Patreon. If you like what we're doing, if you want to support this content, if you want to get more content, if you want to potentially have us do a full deck tech uh, for you on the pod, go support us on Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash hex drinkers. You can check us out there, see what kind of reward tiers we've got. We'd really appreciate if you did, did so. So thank you very much. Boys, that's it. Let's call this. Uh, this has been Jules for Eric, Oak, and Chubb. We are the Hex Drinkers, and we're signing out. Woo! My pick for, uh, for favorite art is Gilder Baron. Um, it's a little oof, oofy, um, a one, three for three mana and one of the weird untap abilities, uh, that's 
I think really only on uh, Eventide or Shadowmore. But it's it's a little guy in a, like a frog costume collecting brightly colored uh, orbs or flowers or something from a from a swamp. He's putting them there. Oh, he's putting. I think them so. There. He's the gilder, right? I yeah. I couldn't tell if he's taking yeah. them or putting them, but um, but either way, it, well, I think he's actually putting them because yeah, they're, they're the behind text, yeah. Right? Do the glowing trinkets show it the way home, or do they set a twisted path for someone else to follow? Oh. Um, maybe he's up to more shenanigans than you think, <laughs> but it's just an adorable little guy. It's classic Niles Ham, um, and it's it's a very it for all that Shadowmore has with the darkness and the gloom and the doom and stuff. You maybe this guy is gonna you know eat you and kill you if you go down the path, but in the moment he looks kind of nice and he's just he's leaving some nice uh, colored fruit or whatever in the tree and looks like he's having a good time. Nah, babe, those are worms. Dude, he's that getting is a ready bucket for... of worms. What about the red one? Nah, he's that that is like a caterpillar. No. I don't think so. It says trinkets. It doesn't say worms. I'm go <laughs> those are totally worms. He's getting ready for an Easter egg. Yeah. Hunt. He's They're the just Easter like different. frog. They don't have the Easter bunny on Shadowmore. If they do, he's probably just creepy as hell. Also, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jeff shows up in a bunny I don't know mask. If you guys <laughs> That's the Easter bunny. I don't know. If, I remember that mask. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, he put one on like a turtle that's passing by. It's just on the back nice. of the show. Yo, wait, I here you go, buddy. <laughs> All the way to the left. That's good as hell. Yeah, that's hey. very wholesome. Oh yeah, he's just chilling. Big old chilling. Big chill. Oh man, what a wholesome little boy. What a what a wholesome note to end the podcast <laughs> on. It's Gilderbrand.